Before we get started today, I want to give a special thanks to Hashtag Paid, our top sponsor this week. Uh, I want to say goodbye to influence. I want to say hello to creators. You can get your consumers talking about your brand, buying your product with creator marketing. Uh, find out why creator marketing works up to four times better uh, for your customer acquisition dollars by signing up with Hashtag Paid. Go to hashtagpaid.com. Thanks very much. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC by Pilot House. Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick here with co-host Kyle Guilfoyle. And today we are super lucky to have Ryan McKenzie, the co-founder of True Earth, uh, Canada's second fastest growing startup. Uh, True Earth dominated the consumer packaged goods, eco-friendly uh, market, startup market with two-year revenue growth of 8,408. Uh, they went from zero to their current run rate of $30 million based entirely on their zero waste, environmentally friendly laundry strip that completely eliminates the need for heavy plastic detergent jugs that are sitting right beside me over here. Uh, today, we're gonna discuss the True Earth Movement, what it's like to grow a behemoth of a business in Port Moody, British Columbia, and uh, ethical consumption, and then how mission and marketing go hand in hand with that. Welcome to the podcast today, Ryan, how you doing? I'm awesome, man. You have like some phenomenal energy. Like I just like want to bottle that and uh, maybe I can put that in a strip. I was going to say, I don't know about bottles. I think we should keep those. I think we should keep it in strips, but figuratively bottle it. (laughs) (laughs) Now we get a new thing about the podcast that we haven't had before is when, when we do a podcast at 11 and the mail comes, my dog is going to go batshit insane. Um, so let's see if that if that subsides. Anyways, I think it, I think it might be good. Okay, we're good. Why don't we start? <laughs> way to derail the energy, Charlie. Uh, stick with the energy and just tell us your story in a nutshell. Tell tell us uh, the true earth story. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm a dad. I have three kids now. Um, back in 2018, I only had two at the time. My wife was pregnant, and I mean, you're a dad. You you probably get it. Like when you when you're not a parent, um, you know, you're just kind of like, you're only worried about the future of yourself. And you, you know, there might be some like minor anxieties about stuff, but I just don't generally think you're worried about things like, yo, what kind of world am I going to grow up in? You know, like you're living it. But once you have kids, uh, you know, a lot of things change. And like, for me, I was having a lot of like anxiety, which is weird because I'm not like a super anxious person, but I started to get like really pessimistic about the future. And like, I love technology, but I was like, it's, I couldn't, I was starting to struggle with it a little bit. Like, is AI going to take, are AI and robotics going to take all the jobs? Is there, are we going to overpopulate the planet? Are we going to have food shortages? Like, uh, obviously things like waste, how much plastic waste can we throw into landfills and like our greenhouse gases affecting global warming, all these things. Like microplastics, all those microplastics, things. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what are we doing to this planet? What are, what's the future going to be like for my kids? Like, are they just going to be locked in a room like COVID style all day, like on their devices? Like, I don't know, you know, I, everybody says they miss the, the good old days with the rose colored glasses and stuff like that. But like, I still want my kids to experience outdoors and, and socialize and all that stuff. Anyways. Yeah. <clears throat> like COVID aside, COVID didn't exist yet, but um so anyways, I was having all these anxieties and I, I was thinking about a lot and, 
you know, we were watching one of those unboxing shows on YouTube one morning and they had like this, they had this plastic, um, like treasure chest and it was wrapped in plastic and then they opened it up and then inside there there was like uh two layers there was like a shelf inside of it that was removable and there was like 10 surprise toys which are little dopamine bombs for kids and each of them was wrapped in plastic in a plastic shell and then the toy itself was plastic and i'm sitting here going like oh my god what do we do consumerism is like going like it's messing the world up and then they opened up the second layer i was like what there's more and they're like you know it was like the infomercial but wait there's another layer and they're like they're opening up there's there's just like there is like literally like 25 plastic toys and plastic shells and plastic wrap in a plastic treasure chest wrapped in plastic and i was like i hit this point in my head where i was just like i you know i'm why am i just sitting here worrying there's got to be something that i can do and a few, probably six months earlier, uh, my partner, Brad, his family friend had invested in this, this patent. Um, and it, it had kind of come across our desk that there, you know, there was an opportunity that maybe we could do something with laundry detergent. And, you know, I was just like, at the time, I was like, well, how on earth is a little strip of laundry detergent that looks like this? If you can see it on, yeah. the, on the screen, it's like, oh, you know, like, like, four inches by two inches, roughly going to do the same thing that like an entire scoop of liquid detergent is going to do. And so like, anyways, whatever, I'll, Brad, can you tr bring some of those in? Let's try it out. I kind of, I, I did some research and there was like 700 million laundry jugs per year that end up in landfills or, or the ocean in North America, which is pretty much enough plastic to wrap around the world, I think four times. So Brad brings it in and we tested it out and we're like, holy shit, like this, this product is cleaning my laundry. I just didn't think that it would work. And honestly, like a lot of our customers say that, like I was anticipating that this was going to be like a joke or not a joke, but just not something that would work. And uh, anyways, so we get Kevin, who's our other partner too. He's our CTO, uh, you know, fire up a website and we're going to do a test. We thought like, Hey, let's try and let's try and sell 150 of these in a month. And we want to be really logical about this. If, if there's not a market for it, then, um, you know, whatever, we'll move on. But uh, we wound up selling more than 1500 in the first month. So that was, the, you know, that was a pretty good sign uh, to keep going. And, that, and that's kind of, I mean, that is how the, the True Earth line started. It's just a real, it's just solving of a problem. It's like, you know, we, we have this idea of recycling. We were brought, we're brought up in the age of this idea. You know, I actually, from my high school, uh, you know, made a character called Captain Compost. And there was another character about recycling. And we you know, were really, you know, saving the earth back then. But you, you look at the way recycling has actually developed. And it's like, it's kind of a joke, like the actual idea of the way we recycle currently. And to me, like plastic, you know, laundry bottles are the epitome of the ones that you don't want to think about, because they're so heavy and clunky. And they're so coated in, you know, in the in, in the soap and everything like peanut butter is another one where it's like, Oh, that's going in there. I didn't like how <laughs> many people are, are spatuling out there, you know, the peanut butter from their their plastic. It's you know, work, man. It's work. And so you just short circuited it. You short circuited mm -hmm. it. You didn't like, you didn't make the recycling process better in a way. You just like absolutely like the, the it's like almost a hundred percent like package reduction in terms of footprint. Right. Cause it's just yeah. the strip, which, which just sort of disintegrates in the, in the laundry. Yep. Yeah. And then the package itself is made of cardboard, which uh, is compostable or recyclable either way. Very cool. And so you're the CMO, right? 
I am. That's correct. So you have been, you know, the the one. So you knew at fifteen hundred, you know, sales in your in your first part, you had something that that resonated with people. What were like the first actions you took it to like take it to the next level? Just get it in front of people. Yeah, I mean, there there's there's a lot of little different, like you know, a lot of a lot of little mini flywheels. I know you guys like using the word flywheels. You guys like the book Good to Great. I've got my hedgehog concepts and stuff. No, um, yep. surf, we uh, surf. We love the yeah. the names for things. You gotta have a name. What was what was the question again? My the question was, what was your first step after realizing you had this like big oh, hit yeah. on your hand to really like multiply? Yeah. So I mean. The, the the general hygiene things that you do with with any sort of product with like you know making scaling up the Facebook ads making sure that you have our, our brand keywords in Google Ads looking at Google search Google shopping I, you know just making sure that we had all of our basic hygiene set up and then really like after that we're really focused on kind of improving the overall experience um, making it so that it was shareable because like it's one thing to, to test a product launch. Um, and then it's another thing to have like the product be, I don't want to say viral or anything like that, but like every little, yeah. Like every iteration that you, you make that makes a better customer experience, um, you know, it goes a long way. It amplifies, especially when you have more than 200,000 customers, but um, you know, we, we started going and we went in a couple subscription boxes um, that, that, that was a bit of a catalyst. Um, God, we, you know, micro influencers, like there, there's a lot of different things that we did, but for, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in the first segment of a business that you don't need, it, it, it's a waste of energy to go into too many channels simultaneously. Like you're better off picking a couple channels, going hard on those channels, getting traction and, because the issue with going into too many at once is that it's really hard to do anything well when you don't have uh, enough staff to like kind of service those channels, right? So at first we really we just really focused on uh, Facebook and Google and then expanded as we went. And um, and I'm curious at at this point, um, what what percentage of uh, of your sales are coming uh, via DTC versus uh, retail? I think we're about. I mean, depends whether you include Amazon or not, but uh, like direct from our website itself is probably around 65%. That's so like, cool. Yeah, it might, might even be higher. Like I think, I think Amazon's between 10 and 15. Uh, and then the retail, retail is picking up quite a bit. Like we've, we're in over 2000 stores now, um, primarily like small, small, um, like health stores and specialty stores. But we've like recently, we just uh, landed in Giant in Pennsylvania. So that's like, I think that's around 150 stores. Wow. Um, yeah, and we're, we're working on some other pretty big deals, but. Um, but you're a digitally native brand. I think that's that's what, what you went to market in almost entirely with that digital strategy, which I think is really cool. I think, yeah, is, like, is that how you sold your first 1500 too with ads? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Basically, ads and the subscription box. That was that was it. I love it. It, it makes me think about retail, and it, you're going to be in inherently disadvantaged in the retail world because it's like the whole retail world is built on like the size of your package on the shelf in a lot of ways, and so you'll True. you know what I mean. You'll kind of you'll need to be brought, but you have a, a lot of other advantages in that people love feeling good about the kinds of things they put in their cart. So how you overcome that? We have to get specialized sort of like end caps or something in stores. Yeah, we're actually working on uh, like a, the product display, what are they called? P product display 
Yeah, it's like an end cap. Like if you look at like like smart smart suites, they've got they've got awesome uh, stands, and they're like they've got kind of like they're they're we took the sugar out of uh, out of out of out of sugar, but not the not the candy or whatever the heck their slogan is. But uh, you know, we're looking at doing something similar to that. Um, but I think you know, I think more importantly, the reason why we generally like in the retail stores that we sell in is because we have really good penetration in the areas that we're in retail. So. Uh, I think it's really important that if like, <clears throat> I think a lot of people have this expectation that if you go into retail, even if you're a direct to consumer brand, that you're instantly going to have success. <clears throat> and that's entirely incorrect, especially when you're creating a new product vertical, like laundry strips aren't like people go down the laundry detergent aisle. If they don't like scents, they plug their nose, they find the one that they buy and they run out of there. They're not like, hmm, you know, I wonder what kind of new technological breakthroughs there have been in laundry detergent. Ooh, you know, like they, they, it's not, that's not how people shop laundry detergent. So you have to create the awareness. You have to drive people to the stores. And like, you've, I think you've had Josh uh, from snow on your show before. Like he's, he's, a, he's a great example. Like when he launches in like target or best buy, he promotes those stores because they're his partner. They're not just a channel. Like you have to, you have to treat them like a partner. You can't expect them to be your business. Makes sense. I wanted to ask about community. Like you, there's like there is this real feel good aspect about your product, uh, and and there's got to be a ton of people who are interested in sort of like glomming around that idea. I'm like, one, like how have you harnessed the mommy bloggers and and things like that? Yeah. So I mean, we we don't we don't do a ton with with bloggers directly. Like there, there's there's you know a lot of posts that do happen like we look we we have somebody that goes through harrow every day looking for stuff that might be uh, effective but we have somebody on our team that basically full-time reaches out to micro micro influencers on on uh on instagram and then we have another person that's like reaching out to to um micro and macro um youtube um youtube stars, bloggers, whatever you want to call them. Um, And then other things like we have an ambassador program where we have missions. So like if there's, Mm. say there's a particular thing happening that we want to talk about, like say a Black Friday sale or a product launch, we've got, I think we have around four or 500 brand ambassadors. And what we do is we, um, when they do a certain action, like if they share a post or or they, um, basically whatever we're asking them to do at the time, we put a value on it. And sometimes there's a performance value and we pay them in gift cards to our site. So they already love a product. Um, and we basically, you know, we can um, incentivize them to, you know, help us out by, you know, we're not making it so you need to have a million followers to, to make a dollar um, sharing or $5 or whatever it is sharing our product. We just, we know that like, everyday people make impact. And I think that's actually like one thing that people massively overlook is that I think, you know, when uh, somebody on Facebook with 300 friends and family who are followers, not followers, but they're just friends and family, when they share a post about a product that they like on Facebook, it's insane how many like, like comments and people who, who go and make the purchase afterwards. Like, and I would be like willing to bet almost that they are probably doing more positive for your brand than the micro influencer that shares like 18 different products a week. And, you know, they're just doing it for the, for the swag. Totally. I'm really good at just talking forever. No, I love it. Time out. (laughs) Shut up, Ryan. Shut up. No, it's good to know that we have a full two hours. We'll just, we'll just keep rolling. (laughs) Ryan, I'm I'm curious when you got, when you guys work with uh, influencers, are you, um, are you doing any kind of, uh, like whitelisting or dark posting? 
Uh, it's funny. I was actually uh, digging into a little bit more white post or white posting, white listing uh, yesterday. I've done a, a little bit with it. It's it's actually something. <laughs> just kidding about two hours. It's actually it's it's actually uh, something that you know I I want I've I've been intending to get more into for a really long time. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, it's great that I'm wanting to jump into it right when it's uh, not quite as as effective as it was a couple as you know a year ago, but. Um, like where I really find the whitelisting and the working with um, influencers who are willing to give us access is that it just works so well at the bottom of the funnel or like mm. you know, middle, of funnel, middle of funnel, but like, like I've got a couple of posts that just popped up organically um, where somebody did a, like a legitimate review of the product. And uh, um, I was like, Oh, this is really good. I'm going to, I'm going to use like Snipply um, which is like a redirect service that, puts your pixel in it and I'm going to, I'm going to promote this bottom of funnel. And, uh, uh, man, it like absolutely smashes it to the point where this person actually wound up becoming a wholesaler. And so it's like super win-win for me because some people still buy from us when I push to his site and then some people buy from him. So he's, he's generating, you know, a few hundred dollars a day in sales. I'm getting extremely discounted, uh, CPAs. And, you know, it's just like a really good relationship for both of us because you know, we both win. And I didn't, I didn't have to pay him for that. Like I literally, it just, there's, if you have a good product and you can find some like organic reviews out there, you know, like test them because you're going to make that person happy sending them traffic to their site. And if you plug in like an affiliate program or something like that, where they can make a little bit of money on it too, like they're just going to be over the moon. For sure. And, and, uh, and, as you mentioned, affiliate. I'm I'm also curious about uh, your ambassadors and and how you how you go about structuring your ambassador program. Uh, are you are you using a platform of some kind or is it just yeah? How, could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so we're using Brandbassador, which is like a standalone platform. Uh, you can basically it's there's an app and everything like that, um, and you can create missions. We don't use that for affiliates. Um, we we separate the two. Um, but basically our ambassadors are, you know, if they want to be an affiliate, we use share sale for that. Um, but we've kind of separated those two channels per se. Um, mainly, you know, I wanted to, the big thing with the ambassadors is that I didn't want them to be motivated necessarily by money. I wanted them to be motivated by our products. So that, that allows us to kind of separate church and state. If you will. What's your favorite ad platform? As CMO, because it sounds like you guys, you're in digitally native platform. You're running on uh, Facebook, uh, you know, obviously Instagram, Google, uh, which, which is your like, because were you doing the ads in the beginning? Yeah. Like, I mean, honestly, I still, I love Facebook ads. Like I'm like, it's yeah. I, I yeah. Like, I, I, I delegated, I've dele delegated some testing and stuff like that, but like, I just, I just love pulling the levers, man. Like, um, and it's, 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 for me, it's not a lot of work. I know that some people can just get really like, I used to be like seven or eight years ago. That's where I really cut my teeth was on, was on Facebook ads. And, and I would like, when my daughter was a baby, I'd be up in the middle of the night feeding her like a bottle. And I'd be like, okay, I should test this tomorrow. And I should test this. How do I, how do I, holy shit, this stuff's so volatile. How do I deal with this? And like, you know, I've just gotten to the point where I've learned how to uh, like, macro manage it where I look at it like week to week. I mean, I still look at it every day, but I don't make judgment calls based on like one day's performance. Mm. Um, you know, so it's easy for me to handle. Uh, could I do it better with somebody helping me? Definitely. But Facebook, Facebook, Instagram is definitely 
my uh, personally my favorite but you know I, I, I like I like other stuff too well I'd actually love to hear about um that that backstory a little bit about like how you got started um what yeah what led you to true earth and and I'd also I'd be curious to hear about um you know going from a sort of a micromanager Facebook ads person to more of a macro manager I'm not I'm not sure if that terminology makes sense but um I just love you just coined it yeah <laughs> It's a ter- the yeah. macro manage the macro the macro manager platform only $9,999 today I will yep. teach you how to never touch your Facebook ads again and make millions only um, 100 spots and then it closes yeah. 100 spots yeah uh so the key is just turn it on and walk away no um so the the backstory so I um man, I've, I've been in the online space for a long time um I'm, I'm 39 um and I've been like in some way, shape or form messing with the internet since like 1996. Like my dad brought home a disc that had mosaic, which eventually turned into Netscape, which is, yep. like, you know, now, now Firefox. But, um, uh, so before this, um, I had a, I had a startup called info barrel. It was like this kind of like a squid or a hub pages. And it was like this platform where people could write articles and they, uh, we would give them 75% of the revenue generated by their content that wound up, um, getting hammered pretty hard by all the Google penalties of 2012. But uh, we wound up doing a merger um, with a media company um, in 2014. And it brought together our, our, our platform and uh, Explore Magazine and uh, Canadian Traveler at the time. And then we wound up buying uh, BC Magazine, which is like beautiful British Columbia. So like Explore wound up taking a lot of kind of like my attention and, and BC Magazine because I love, I love living here. And uh, so somewhere down that that rabbit hole, um, I was looking to. Um, sorry, I just looked at the chat for a second. Yeah, give me a little bit of a a, a, a mental blip. Um, anyways, you know, I, I wanted to like media struggles. Media is still struggling. Like it's just it's not a secret. Yeah. And like people are getting paper less. People are getting less um, print. Like you know, it's just the way it is. So. I was trying to look at ways that I could uh, use those audiences um, to, to, to sell products or to, um, you know, sell memberships or whatever. And uh, one of the first books that, that I kind of read that put me down that rabbit hole a little bit was, uh, was Ryan Dice's The Invisible Selling Machine. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever read it. Ryan I haven't Dice. read it. I've, yeah. It's so simple. It's good. But uh, yeah, I was reading it. I was like, I was at a point where I was like working another job at night and I was doing this during the day because like, I just, you know, that's just what I, what I did if I wasn't making enough money. And, uh, and I read this book and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. So I literally rolled out like the email setup that it talks about, like, um, you know, get a lead magnet at a landing page. And, uh, here's what was the, se- the sequence was like, welcome with your, your lead magnet indoctrination. And then they, they had this best of the best series, which is like some, some value content. Um, and since we had magazines, we had tons of content. And then uh, they had like this fear logic, no, fear, logic, gain logic fear sequence, which was like, talked about what you, you could gain if you buy into the magazine, the logic of why you want it. And then fear, hey, this offer is going away if you don't buy it, which is a little aggressive in the print magazine space. But anyways, that was, that's roughly the sequence and I'm going way too in depth, but no, it's um, it, uh, it, so it worked. Okay. I was just doing it with an exit pop-up on BC magazine. 
And then we wound up selling BC Magazine to some of our partners and we completely took over the company and, and we decided to move forward with Explore, which is an outdoor adventure. And I spent a whole bunch of time making this whole same kind of setup, but I thought I would try running Facebook ads to it. And I already done a ton of stuff with like arbitrage and stuff on Facebook before, but never, never really selling anything. And uh, so it was like August or early, it was probably late, late August, um, probably like 2016, I think 2016. And uh, I was doing, I'd set it all up and I turned the Facebook ads on and I just left it. I, you know, I didn't think it was, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. And I came home and we're doing a fantasy football draft. There's like five guys in my basement. I quit doing that, by the way, because it's just like way too addictive. It's time suck. Oh, oh just, God, hockey. And it could, oh, it ruins your whole day too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. If you lose. Yeah. But I was, we're sitting there, we're drafting. And I'm, all of a sudden, like I had Stripe on my phone. It's like, bloop, bloop, bloop. oh, you made a sound. Oh, sweet. That's working. Okay, whatever. Put down then like five minutes there. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh, shit. Another one. And like, it was like, all of a sudden it was like $200 worth of sales. And I think, you know, it was getting an, an insane return on ad spend and uh, just kind of, that's how it all started with like, you know, that first funnel had like the most insane return on ad spend. Uh, I mean, this is also 2016. I don't, I don't think it, I still have, I act the funnel still running. It's just maybe like $20 a day instead of. And this new one was still based on the, the invisible selling machine, the, the, that basic sort of, you know, step-by-step -step funnel that still probably works. Yeah, it still works. It's great. Um, yeah, and that 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 was what got me into Facebook ads. That's a really long way to say that. Well, but, it's uh, it's just the origin of asymmetry. I love that. I love when you all of a sudden you can realize when I can put this money into this machine, and you know take out so much more than what I put in, and and, and have it run in that automated way. It's a real wake up call. Um, yeah, we have a question here. We have a question from Mike Wigmore in Oshawa. Uh, do you have a strategy for getting customers who order from Amazon or well.ca to reorder from your website? That's a good question. That, that is a good question. And the, uh, the short answer is, uh, no. Um, because you know, it's tough with Amazon. If you put any sort of packaging in there, that's steering them away or same thing with, well, like at the end of the day, really like, again, like I mentioned earlier, I try to look at them as partners. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't own the data. Yes. Um, it's not the ideal setup for me, but they, those, they, they're basically channel partners, right? And um, on Amazon, I'm looking to do subscriptions as well. And we've got a lot of subscriptions there. Um, with Well, like Jillian Harris has promoted our product on Well before. And, uh, you know, before I was like, oh man, that sucks. Well's, Well's like their, their brand, they're bidding on our brand keywords and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they're, they're buying a lot of product from us too. And they move a lot of product. And as a whole, the, the, all the retargeting that we're doing, they're going to wind up falling into interest, interest pools um, for our brand regardless. So, you know, for me, we're just trying to build a, a, a large user base and we're trying to eliminate plastic. So in the end, I would prefer people bought from us but I also want to support the people who are supporting us. And in, in this case, I don't want to like try and steal Wells customers. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. They're um, partners. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so Ryan, you, you've obviously grown really fast, faster than most, most brands. And, uh, uh, I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit about how, how that level of growth has surprised you or, or how it's, you know, changed, um, your life or your, your mindset. Um, yeah, anything about that would be awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Like I was talking about this yesterday and like 
It's one thing to grow really fast. And then there's another thing to grow at the pace that we're growing right now, because I, I think I read this in a Tim Ferriss book, so I don't really know how accurate it is, but apparently all systems break every time you triple in size. And like, we're like, I don't know, we're like at least quadrupled in size since January. Hell, like we're like last month was our biggest month ever and we're running double last month, this month so far. So like, like things just break and they break so fast. And um, it's really like, the, the surprising thing is it's kind of hard to actually be in the moment and really enjoy the, the growth. Like it's not, you know, I'm not like personally taking more money or anything like that than we, than we were kind of when we started. Um, so like financially, my life's not any different. Um, but the, I would say that the most rewarding, like from like a rewarding standpoint, like being able to see the impact, like when I meant, like, this is kind of like ego ish, but like, you know, when I, when I talk to somebody and be like, oh yeah, I, I have this brand called true earth and like, oh, I use that. Like, I mean, that gets me excited. Um, but like, you know, I've had a bunch of other businesses in the past and um, what I found is that when things get overwhelming, when you don't really have a purpose, you're just like scaling money. It's just kind of like, when you get overwhelmed, you start thinking stuff like, what is this all for? Like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Why am I killing myself for this? Like, this is mental. But when you're doing something that's like, like having impact, like for instance, we've helped eliminate over 2 million laundry jugs from landfills. Um, we've donated more than 3.5 million loads of laundry detergent to people in need since, since March. Like, like amazing, man. Yeah. It's like, you sit back and you're like, I'm overwhelmed a little bit. Oh, this sucks. And then, you know, when things cool off a little bit, you're like, okay, but like you're all you're doing something that's like good for your kids. It's good for the planet. It's good for people. Like it's, it's just like, it's a completely different thing. So yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. Systems break. Yes. We're like, we're pretty much hiring multiple people every single week. Like we have over 110 staff now. And, um, you know, we're, I, uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Like right now I'm probably need to hire like five people and, when you're in those earlier phases, you find kind of like hire somebody and you're like, okay, they're going to do this job, but they'll probably do this a little bit too. And maybe this, they can help out with that. And then they don't really wind up doing the thing that you actually wanted them to do that much because they're taking all the extra shit. That's like, like all the urban runoff tasks that like, you know what it's, it, but it's true, totally. right? Oh like, yeah. We're in an all hands on deck situation with D2C for sure. As, as we grow it mm -hmm. out and we're constantly talking about, yeah, but as you, but you're saying, as you, as you grow, you do bring in specialists and you just, you do exactly. you silo it more, right? Totally. And yeah, like you can make, you can hire, you can hire, not, not saying that you don't hire good people in the beginning, but you, you want to, in the beginning, you're hiring more like scrappy dudes, you know, or dudettes, whatever, like people that like, you know, that they're going to be good at their job as they, as they grow with you. And then now it's like, I can actually go and I can hire somebody that like, that does this thing really well because the, the revenue is there. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's hard. Like that's hard is like actually structuring it and figuring out what I shouldn't be doing and what I should be doing and like making a list and being like, okay, there's, I do a lot of this one particular thing. I got to hire somebody else to handle that. Cause I'm sure some other people are doing some of that too. Totally. Um, very, very cool. I wanted to ask a little bit about, you mentioned Josh Elizetti. I know, I know he's a friend of yours. Uh, and we're, you know, I want to, have you, have you, I'm interested in mindset. I'm interested in whether you've had to like it, whether the growth has changed your, your mindset, like, and whether you've had sort of mentors along the way, like, do you leverage a community of people who've kind of been through these growth paces before is the ultimate question I got to there. 
Yeah. So I'm in blue Ezra Firestone's blue ribbon and I met Josh. Actually, we were both speaking at uh, blue ribbon in St. Pete's in January, the last trip before the last the world end before yeah. the apocalypse. Um, yeah. and that's, that's where I met Josh. And, you know, we, we only got to hang out for like a few minutes, but, uh, I think his girlfriend actually got sick when we were there, which was, I don't know. A bunch of people got sick. Maybe everybody got COVID there. That was, the but, uh, that was the origin. <laughs> there was never a bat. It was it was St. Pete's. Um, Entrepreneurs. I, yeah, like I mean, my my partners. You know, they're they're we're all, all navigating this together. Brad, who's the CEO of the company, um, we're, we're all we're all equal co-founders. But you know, he's he's uh, had a bit of experience with um, one or two businesses that were not quite this size, but pretty close, and then. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever talked to Matt from Pila, Matt Bertulli from Pila. I haven't, um, no. Really good guy. You should probably have him on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a little bit bigger than us. Um, but in the beginning, I was showing, they're, they're an uh, environmentally friendly cell phone case. And it's made of flax in it. It's from, it's from BC too. But um, in the beginning, I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty cool. Like if we could maybe get to like, I uh, know, like 7,000 people subscribed and, you know, maybe do a couple million dollars. And he's like, dude, you have to think bigger. And that was just, that, that was kind of like a, a light bulb moment for me. Um, but like, you know, just, I'm trying to listen to stuff. Like I was listening to some of uh, the trends podcasts mm-hmm. yesterday and like listening to stuff about hiring and, um, and reading about systems. And like, it's, I think the big, the biggest thing that mindset change that's had to happen for me is, and you know, this is something that happens as an entrepreneur, as you grow as like, but like five, 10 years ago, I was like, nobody can do anything as good as me. Like not that you're egotistical. It's just like, like this, like self-employed person. You basically, if, if, if you have to do everything, you don't have a business, you have a job that like has no freaking benefits. Like, you know, like, you know, like, and then, so learning to, to systemize, and this is like E-Myth 101, but like learning to systemize the things that you do and like build those flywheels that allow your business, you know what happens when you put like, it's like an engine, you pour a little bit of gasoline in here, you know what the output is. Mm-hmm. So like building, building like the whole bit, the business as a whole is, is, is a whole, is like a, a, a sequence of a whole bunch of little engines and understanding that if you can systemize these engines, um, and be able to delegate and trust people. And um, then, then it's actually not impossible to grow a business. Like with what I'm trying to get to is that like, you're not as good as you think you are. You know, like it's the like hard, like hard truth, bro. Hard truth, yeah. sister. Like you are not as good as you think you are. And lots of other people can do the same things that you can. If you can learn to parse it up for, if you can, because the thing is, you know, when you're starting a business, everything lives in your head and you're like, no one's going to be able to pick up the slack the way that I can. Or no one will know that when I tell them to do, do this, I'm also wanting it to connect to this or, you know what I mean? So it's, it's all, yeah. it, it becomes a new skill you have to develop to be able to not think like that anymore and to be able to parse up those those parts of, of your job and, and ship them out confidently. Yeah. Yeah. Leadership really. Right. Like understanding, yeah. like, and I, you know, this is something that I'm still trying to grow at and I struggle with. It's probably one of the, th- the things that I have the most anxiety with. And it's like, I don't have a lot of anxiety, but like it, if there's something that, that, that bugs me, it's like, how can I learn the skill as fast as physically possible? Um, and you know, I'm definitely getting better at it, but I am far from great. Um, and I think like, this is like, this is, this is like, I had this like realization the other day, if you can build a system 
and you can learn to delegate. That is like the most powerful skill to have. I don't know why they don't teach that in school. Like teach the kid, like Montessori, I guess is the closest thing. Teach the kids how to teach other people how to do something for them. Like, like I want you to do, I'm, I want you, we're going to do a project and I'm going to be the person that tells everybody what to do. This is what my vision is for it. I'm going to write that out. And I'm going to like, I have to tell these four or five other people exactly what to build. Like that, that, that is a skill. And I don't think that people get taught that enough. And like, if you can figure that out, like you can basically do whatever you want because you have leverage now. Mm, that's, I uh, love that. Um, and what, uh, what would you say the most important uh, systems or flywheels um, have been that you've built and, and that have had like the biggest positive impact on, you know, your life and your enjoyment of, of growing the business? Oh man, there, there's, there, there's so many things, but like, I mean, just looking at it from a personal perspective, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very ADD. So I have a really hard time like being in the moment with things and really structure, trying to structure my day. So like, this is the simplest thing and anybody can do it. Like everybody can fill an entire day with work if they want to, it's just like a vacuum, but like figuring out what like my high payoff activities are for the day and like before I would feel like I never did enough, but if I, I know that if I nail those high payoff activities every day, everything is moving forward. So I structure, I structure my day. Like I have, I this never ending list of to do's like everybody else. I try to delegate them if I can, but like I go into the day, I, I have a couple of meetings, like 15 minutes with different people. And I tell them what my high payoff activity is for the day. So I have accountability on it. I can't just like write it down and not do it. And then, uh, you know, pound those things out. And if I don't get anything else done, like today I'm leaving at like three o'clock to go watch my son play soccer. Um, and I'm not, after that, I'm not going to go, you know, sit on my computer until 10 o'clock at night or ignore my family. It's like it, that one little system. I mean, it's not really a flywheel, but it's like, it's a basic like attention hack. I know that I have to get these things done. Everything else that I get done, that's fantastic. But if, if, if those two things are done, I can like, not feel anxious. So, so every, just, just, I'm hearing it right. So every day there's one or two high, high payoff activities and outcomes. Is that yeah. essentially it? Yeah. Not necessarily outcomes. Like I have two right now because I'm, I'm basically managing the uh, marketing department or I'm the, I'm the CMO, but I'm also handling packaging at the moment. So, uh, which yeah, it fell on my lap. Um, it's a, it's a gap. still there, still there, even at 30 million. I love it. That things, yeah, a hot potato still comes down yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it came down, but, uh, it's, I don't know how long, but anyways, so basically each day I'm like, I have to deal with this and I have to deal with a high payoff activity for this department and a high payoff activity for this department. It doesn't have to have like a particular outcome. Um, I, you know, even with our KPIs and stuff, I'm a fan of tracking lead indicators, not lag indicators, because if your flywheel's working, the lead indicators you should have a good idea what percentage of your lead indicators. Is well, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Could, could you tell us uh, what your lead indicators are? Oh, we have like a ton of lead indicators. Um, um, our, oh, this is kind of actually a lag indicator, but like for, for, let's say for like micro influencers, let's, let's use uh, like YouTube outreach as an example. So um, we have somebody on our team that, that does a certain amount of YouTube outreach. So each week, uh, she tries to reach out to 20 different people. Like originally when, when we were trying to set her, her goals for the company, she was like, okay, I want to get this many YouTube videos per, per month. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Because you have no control over what people, what people say. So let's, let's, let's figure out how many you want to reach out to. And, you know, we've got our scripts and everything. So for, for her, uh, her goal is to reach out to 20 YouTube, um, YouTube people every week. 
um, like 20 blogs and like 20 uh, like uh, sub subscription boxes or something like that. And then we can, at the end of the month, we can see what the total number of actual um, outputs there are and kind of like get some, some, some math on that. Um, for me personally, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to stay out of the weeds and I'm more focused on like, what is my actual HPA, HPA's high payoff activity for the day. Smart. I yeah. love it. So as a wrap up question, as the CMO right now, if uh, Justin Trudeau were to bequeath a, a, a strings, no strings attached hundred K grant just for the, you know, the righteousness of your mission, where would you apply it in your business right now to see the biggest either growth of the business or growth and peace of mind, or where would you put it? Um, probably, probably infrastructure, um, like, like, like human capital. Um, there's like, we're, we're, we're in the middle of hiring a bunch of people anyways. Um, but you know, it's, First of all, our culture is awesome too. Like everybody, everybody like is like bought into this and they love it and they're they're trying to help save, do something to save the planet. Um, I would probably, you know, I would I would invest in more people, like you know, and, and customer experience. Those those would be the two things. So people people that would help make the customer experience better. Here's here's a just question that I just thought of just on the moment. I've I've been I, I think about this a lot. I think about like the way D 2 C businesses have kind of been built, and the the kinds of ethos that that kind of come up from guys like you and your founders, versus the way that companies you know the way that Ford started or the way that these that Tide or or these huge companies of the past have started. Is is that something like are you are you tied into those those legacy companies in ways? Do you under like and, and do you feel like you're actively trying to structure your company? companies and actually build these, these systems in different ways than they did? Like, or do you that's, want to become the tide? You know, that's, no, that's, that's, that's a really good question. Actually. It's funny. Uh, do you know D Deng? Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So, so D and I were like just jamming last night at like, I don't know, like 10 o'clock and I we were talking and, uh, and, uh, you know, I was talking about kind of how things get overwhelming and, uh, you know, how random mistakes get made. And like one of my partners said the other day, he's like, oh man, I should have known that I should have put this thing in that contract with these, these, these distributors, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Brad, like, how were you supposed to know that you've never done that before? Like, like I get it, but you, you don't know that until you've done it. And it's funny. Cause like, we're like, oh shit, we don't have that experience. And what Dee and I were talking about is, is I think one of the things that actually gives you an advantage potentially over like the, the, the old school way of doing things is that you would hire people that have all done these jobs and have all gone through this before. And you just listen to what they say, because this is the way it's done. And what we're doing is we're looking at a problem and going, okay, well, we can solve this by doing this. And it's kind of like Elon Musk style or whatever, right? Like there's probably a lot of things that we're not doing uh, probably the, the best way possible. But like, since we've, 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 we were born and raised with just kind of doing it ourselves, we've, we've created ways that are different. And I think we're at a point now where if we were to integrate somebody from the traditional business, um, we could probably benefit from some of the things that they did do well, while simultaneously maintaining all co our culture of we solve the problem as we go and we solve it in a way that might not have been traditional, you know? I love it. It's the onion and the varnish thing, you know? They, they used to, have you heard the, the onion and the varnish? I don't, haven't. Don't throw the onion in the varnish. It's, it's, they used to, they, they used to make varnish. This is weird that I know this. Uh, they used to make varnish this way where they had to heat it. And in order to t tell that it was heated, cause it's such a viscous liquid, uh, which is the name of my punk band. 
they would throw an onion in there and it would and it would like crisp up basically. But then they 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 started making it in a whole other way that didn't require uh, the onion in the varnish, but they still would throw the onion in the varnish and, and it wouldn't boil. It would just sit in the varnish. And so, you know, when you're coming up with new ways to solve a product, it's a metaphor. The, the, what you just said with your business too, is a metaphor for your product itself. You found like a new way to accomplish something that, you know, that, that, that helps people. Uh, and it's uh, pretty effing awesome. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the D2C podcast today. Oh, I, I really appreciate uh, you guys uh, somehow dealing with my delayed calendar and nope. uh, <laughs> this was all us you you were yeah, fair uh, yeah we don't need to get into it but i'm glad it happened i'm glad uh, i'm glad mike was here to experience it as well so thanks for joining us today uh and yeah when this comes out you know we're recording this, this is not going to come out for three weeks if you were on d2cplus.co you could already be here hanging out with us uh with these amazing entrepreneurs uh so go to d2cplus.co and sign up uh, and uh, share this podcast, like it when you see it, rate it five stars when it comes out on all of the platforms. And yeah, five stars, only five stars. If you're not going to rate it five stars, Ten. just F off. Rate, rate it twice. Rate it twice. Have fun <laughs> at the soccer game. Uh, let me know how the how the hockey, how, how your son does at hockey. At, at, you know, Hopefully there's a hockey season at some point this year. Yeah, yeah. Do we I'm... even care anymore? I don't know. Just, just go away, COVID. Get, get that vaccine out there. Let's, let's. Uh, I don't think Bill Gates is trying to chip everybody. Oh, I'm glad. Well, let's end on that one then, because I don't want to get into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. See you later, All man. Right. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. <laughs>